What appropriate introduction to our message tonight. I've learned to trust in Jesus. We'll be exploring prayer in the context of Daniel chapter 2. As a matter of fact, in my current ministry with Avondale Seminary, I encourage my students to write something. If the Spirit speaks to your mind and makes an impression on something that we will share tonight, I want you to write it down. You will see behind me a text to our presentation, so feel free to jot some notes, take a shot of the screen, but that's part of our learning together tonight. Here's the heart of my message. And again, this is Daniel chapter 2. Prayer works. That's it. When you look at Daniel and his two prayers in Daniel chapter 2, the essence of prayer is the fact that it is effective and it works. I can't remember exactly what time of the year, but I know it was 1959, when a young missionary family, a pastor and his family and their six boys, left the islands of Samoa and traveled north to the equator to what was known back then as the Alice Islands. Now, this was not going to be a straight journey. They've got to stop in Fiji for a few weeks. And at the time, it was in Suva, Fiji, where the Central Pacific Union mission was located. Part of the waiting in Suva was to wait for a cargo vessel that will travel for a few weeks to the equator, to the atoll islands of the Alice. Now today you would know the Alice Islands as Tuvalu, which simply means eight coral islands, Tuvalu, eight. I don't think at the time I've seen a phone. Now, I know they didn't have mobile phones at the time. Probably something like this phone on the top right of this picture. But I remember my mother singing every day the words of this song. In fact, my 
My father translated the song into Samoan. The royal telephone. That was part of my introduction to this sacred space of communion with God in a foreign place with different foods, rarely rain, by the way, in the equator. My father used to tell people when we would come home for fellow, when people asked, so what do they eat in Tuvalu or the Alice Islands at that time? Here's the stable at that time. You've got to remember this was many years ago. It was coconut and fish. And if you want to have a change of diet, then you can have fish and coconut. <laughs> Let me share with you some beautiful statements about prayer. Yes, it's okay to grab this few quotes. Martin Luther, I remember not too long ago, I paid a visit to the place where Luther is buried. And I'm reminded of this statement from Luther about prayer. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. I think it's Ellen White who has a similar statement. It is the breath of the soul. Had the privilege while serving for the General Conference for 10 years, supporting the world field, and I remember being at Calcutta and visiting the center where Mother Teresa served for many years for the poor people of the city. Here's what Mother Teresa said about prayer. Prayer is not asking. What she's saying, prayer is not a transaction. Prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God at His disposition and listening to His voice in the depths of our hearts. In my words, prayer is being in the presence of God. It is a communion, if you may, with God. Something from Abraham Lincoln. You can see it on the screen. But here's the point about that statement. Prayer brings us to that point in our journey and lives where we feel that we cannot turn to anybody for help except God. Follow me as we explore Daniel chapter 2. Now, I must share with you the statement from Ellen White. Let me tell you why I'm bringing this statement to you. Because tomorrow in our worship, we will look at a personal prayer of a Daniel. But when we look at Daniel chapter 2, it's not about me praying alone. It's collective community group prayer. 
So here's a statement from Ellen White. The promise is made on condition that united prayers of the church are offered. And in answer to these prayers, there may be expected a power greater than that which comes in answer to private prayer. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a place for private slash personal prayers. Believe me, there is a place for that. But in Daniel chapter 2, it's not about an isolated prayer. This is a prayer where four young men came together with a passion in their heart to seek the presence of their God. There's an important statement that you may want to take. I want you to open your Bible, if you have your Bible with you, or your iPhone or iPad, whatever you have. It is impossible to look at Daniel's prayers in chapter 2 in the absence of getting an appreciation of the historical context of the book, and specifically Daniel chapter 2. You know the story. Some 600 years before Christ, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Palestine and took with him from Jerusalem the cream of the crop, if you may, young men, perhaps women as well, as trophies of this expedition to Jerusalem. Start reading in Daniel chapter 1. Stripped of their Jewish identities and being cut off from their people and their homeland. There's a sense as you read the biblical narrative that for Daniel and his friends, this was a dark place in their journey. Hear me on this one. God was silent. And it is possible as humans, I'm going to assume that perhaps in their minds, they may have asked the question, where is God? That historical context is relevant to our study tonight. And then in God's own time and way, he broke the silence and revealed himself because the God of Daniel is a self-revealing God. Here's something that you must not miss as you look at the complex picture and the many details of Daniel chapter 2. The central focus of Daniel chapter 2, ladies and gentlemen, was not those human kingdoms pictured in the human stature. It was not about Nebuchadnezzar. It was not about Babylon. In fact, it was not about Daniel himself. The focus of Daniel chapter 2 was 
God. It was the revelation of God, the God who is in control of the affairs of humans. And yes, like the words of the song, he is faithful because he came to the rescue of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So when we look at prayer in Daniel chapter 2, we must have that frame because it'll give us depth as we will discover tonight. Just in case you can't remember. But here are the names of those four young men featured in chapter 2 together with the meaning of their names. I want you to take that because as you read and explore the narrative, All of those qualities of God are manifested in Daniel chapter 2. God is judge. God is merciful. God is my helper. And when compared to the gods of the Babylonians, who? Who can compare to Yahweh of Israel? Let me make three more observations of the biblical text. We will get to God and we will get to prayer. But let me make some observations that are also necessary for our learning tonight. See, the reason why King Nebuchadnezzar was ancient to get the details of the vision was the fact that as a king, he saw himself as the son of the gods. And a failure to remember the messages from the gods is not just an insult. But that in itself would undermine his authority as king, a kingdom of of Babylon. That's very important. Number two, there are several chapters and parts of the book of Daniel where you read the text and see both the Hebrew and the Aramaic are used. Now, you may ask a question What's the point? The point is this. The use of the Aramaic language, which was the international business language of the time, would suggest that for Daniel, the message of this chapter ought to be told everywhere to the whole world that the God of heaven, the God who reigns supremely, The God who will depose kings and install new world leaders. He is the true God. That's very important in our exploration together tonight. Finally, from verse 1 to the last verse in chapter 2, you will see the interplay. The interplay between human effort and divine power. 
More importantly, this chapter illustrates very clearly the folly of putting our total trust in anything human, whether they be human kings, human kingdoms, or wise men from the earth. Because at the end of a time, guess what? Only God's rule will remain forever. What do you say? Time now to focus on the key idea of chapter 2. Now you find this in Daniel's prayer of thanksgiving. Remember I made the suggestion earlier tonight that really the subject of chapter 2 is the revelation of God. This God who reveals himself. And so as you look to Daniel's prayer of thanksgiving, you will see five images or pictures of God. Ten, excuse me, ten. So I've got five in this slide, and then I'll give you another five, and I'll give you the biblical reference. Remember, it's about God. It's not about Daniel. Prayer is not about us. It's about him. God who is all-knowing, the omniscience of a God, God who is all-powerful, the God who created the heavens and the earth, and He can change seasons and the times. The God who reigns supremely, He is sovereign, and He gives lives and gifts. Now, here's a, 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 a little play of word, if you may, uh, where King Nebuchadnezzar thought that he has the power to give freedom and a life to those wise men who are not able to provide the answer and the details to his dream. But in the big picture of Daniel chapter 2, no, it's not Nebuchadnezzar that gives life nor demands death. It is God, the God of Daniel and his friends. Here are the other images or pictures of God. He reveals the future, and you know that. He is light. He brings light to darkness. And then in that same prayer of thanksgiving, Daniel said, listen, you know my ancestors. What's the point? He is the God of families. He is the God of history. But then it comes back to this important piece when it comes to prayer. He answers prayers. Daniel knew that prayer worked. I know prayer works. Share with you in a moment. So let's have a look at uh, these two prayers. <clears throat> the first prayer that we find in chapter 2 is this prayer of petition. My guess is, all of us at some point in time, you would have prayed this prayer, asking God to intervene, asking God for something. 
You notice on the slide that I've highlighted in bold letters those parts that speak to what we want to see tonight in this prayer of petition. There was a request. Notice the emphasis on collective prayer. He urged them. This was not a personal slash private prayer. This was a collective prayer. He urged them to plead for mercy. Remember the other name of God? The merciful God. The God of heaven. So that Daniel and his friends would be spared. So what we find here is just a reference to this prayer of petition, but there are no words other than the description that is provided. But the second prayer, Daniel capture all of that prayer for us in few verses of chapter 2. And that is the prayer of thanksgiving. You see it on the screen. Now basically what I am trying to convey to you at this point in time is to pick up on the emphasis. This was a prayer of praise and thanksgiving. So God answered Daniel's prayer. Daniel and his mate's prayer. It was natural for them to praise God and thank him for his answer. Prayer works. There's the fullness of the passage. You have your Bibles. You can check it out yourself. But this is where I would tell my students, time to get your pens out and write this down. So let me share with you seven, seven observations or perspectives about prayer from Daniel 2. Number one, in the bigger picture of the story of Daniel chapter 2, and that would include the whole book of Daniel. Prayer was not an isolated thing. It was part of this human and divine dialogue, this conversation. I suppose... This is where Alan White, in the book Steps to Christ, and you know the reference, prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. It's a dialogue. It is also an acceptance, ladies and gentlemen, particularly as Christians, because whereas there is a view out there that God doesn't care about what happens to us in this world, He doesn't care. Christians, and the Bible makes it very clear, there is a God who cares for us and, and, and he wants to enter into our human experience. The story of the incarnation is part of this dialogue between humans and the divine. Number two, if you listen in to this uh, prayer uh, of, of Daniel both here 
and I'm going to pick up on his prayer in chapter 6 tomorrow, and others will look at his other prayers in the book of Daniel. There's a sense that you come in, the petitioner. You come into the presence of God, and you recognize your helplessness. That we are nobody. That we are powerless. But that's why we want to connect into the source of power. And that is God. That's important dynamic and perspective on prayer. Do you remember me talking about during this period of time in exile? Daniel his people in exile, but Daniel and his friends, they felt that God was not present. Prayer in Daniel chapter 2 is an expression of a desire for the presence of God. Four. The trio sang about it. It's a sign of a personal trust in God. It's a time where you can appeal to God's acts in history. And you find this in the Psalms. You find it in the Old Testament. Where they would say, oh God, remember when you open up the Red Sea. Remember when we were in the wilderness. Remember in my desperation. Prayer. And this is in reference to Daniel's prayer of thanksgiving. It is a response to God's revelation. Because God has manifested himself, revealed himself to Daniel. Prayer gives him that opportunity to say thank you. And finally, and this is the thesis of my presentation for tonight. Prayer is effective and it works. How do I know? I will tell you just one story. Pastor Abel, I, I come from a family of 11 siblings, including myself, 11 children. I have uh, seven brothers. If you count me, it's eight of us boys. And then we have three sisters. So when Maxine and I, Maxine is my wife, when we were married, I'm not too sure whether it was a formal declaration of sort or whether it was just a moment of couple exchange. But I recall saying something like, I'd like to have eight children. 
not quite the 11 that my parents had, but eight. Remember the heart of my message. Prayer works. After five years of trying on our own, the eight was starting to fade away. So we had some consultations. My wife was fine. I'm the problem. We went through some treatments. Don't forget, the heart of my message, prayer works. Because it's not about us, it's about God. So in the seventh year of our marriage, But this time, God was directing our affairs. We were cooperating with God. And we were praying that the treatments would work. In 2005, our daughter was born. Do you remember the, the names of those four Hebrew boys in exile? My wife and I contemplated our journey. Because when it comes to having children, we were in a dark place. But God came to the rescue. So we looked at the Bible. We wanted to express our gratitude to God. We found a Hebrew word. The root of that word provides for the first part of our daughter's name. Janae comes from the Hebrew. It means God is gracious. But we said, no. God is more than that. We'll call her Janae Grace, a double grace in gratitude to God. Prayer works. We knew the journey we'd been through. I come from a large family. Said, be nice to have another child. But we knew our limitations. So let's pray to God. 
And for the second time, God revealed himself to us. 2008, we had our second child. Again, we looked at our journey as a couple. We looked at scripture, tried to find a way of telling God of our gratitude and thanksgiving. Pastor Abel, we were able to find one guy who was part of the team who were rebuilding the walls during Nehemiah's time. And his name was Jaden, not spelled as we have for our son. But out of that name, we created our own. Because the root word in Hebrew means God answered. God answered our prayers. Now I know your kids are special. Every child is special. And I say this not to be boastful, but I want to say it in gratitude. Janae and Jaden for us are special. They were given to us. Given to us by God. Because prayer works. So don't tell me that God is not real. Don't tell me that prayer doesn't work. So every night would wander into my kids' bedroom. I look at their faces and I thank God one more time because I know he's gracious and I know he answered our prayers. So let me sign off. There may be someone here in this tent tonight like Daniel, you may be in that dark place. But the way to connect to God in this promise is that we share our hearts and our burdens with God through our petitions. And when God answers your prayers, don't forget to say thank you because prayer works.